Well, good morning again, and uh, just so glad that we're here today. I do want to make a real brief announcement that uh, over this next week, be looking for updates. We'll be moving our uh, COVID protocols, and some of you are going, finally, uh, but moving them from the half a tank, quarter tank illustration that we've been sharing over the last, uh, really since last August, our illustration, moving it to a quarter tank and We'll see how far below that just so. So be looking for those updates this week on our COVID protocol and here on the campus. So anyway, just wanted to give you a heads up about that. Continuing our series, read two passages of Scripture. We've been reading the last few weeks, but uh, these have been just going over in my mind because, again, there are so many things I think I could preach out of this. Uh, But we're going to stay in the series today and not jump off into another one. On roots, but Colossians 2, 6 and 7. So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue. Continue to live your lives in him. Rooted and built up in him. Strengthened in the faith as you were taught. And overflowing with thankfulness. Ephesians 3, 16 through 19. I pray that out of this his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and how long and how deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. I just want to clarify something a few weeks ago. I had it in my notes, but I, I didn't say it. The five C's that I had up there, and we're not going to teach on that again today. If you want to know more about that, you can go back. And now we may refer to that off and on over the next many weeks, but for sure I don't want to, I'm not going to go in depth to that today. But I want to make sure of this is that when you look at those five C's and you could walk out of here going, well, you're trying to categorize me, or you could even say along the line, well, maybe I don't measure up to that person over there, so maybe I'm not as valued here. I just want to say you are welcomed at any stage. You are loved at any stage. And if you're the person who chooses not to move from that stage, let me say here at Renovation, You're going to be loved, but you will be challenged to move. And we are committed to help create a pathway in all stages and circles. Okay? So you are loved at any stage. Don't ever worry about that. And you can stay at any stage. But I just may be real annoying. (laughs) That's the deal. Because we're going to challenge you to move. Because again, as we read this scripture, it says continue, to continue. You were established, but the power at work in your inner being, continue. As I said last week, I can't find a place in scripture where you just get to camp out and go, that's good enough. So I just wanted to be clear about that. We love you. But one of the things I also, as I have used, like I said, this beautiful drawing here from Dr. Dan. Probably took him days to figure this out, I'm sure, as it would me. 
One of the things I think happens in here somewhere that I want to address today a little bit is what's the point? Again, that could be a whole series on a lot of things, right, about your spiritual. What's the point? But I think maybe there are times for some of us when we come into this faith, that part does get missed. We, we get in the routine, as we showed the Barna slide from weeks ago, and again, you can go back and watch that, that we get in this routine, and if we came to Christ early on in our faith, I mean, early on in our life, and we didn't have a lot of sin to overcome in the sense of what we, a lot of us had to deal with or our experiences and actions that we took, that maybe we don't see that huge jump, that change. So what's the point? For instance... When I gave my life to Christ, I gave my life to Christ out of fear. I gave my life to Christ because I thought if I didn't give my life to Christ and I died, and then in that moment I thought I was dying, and if I died, I would die and go to hell. And there's been a lot of sermons preached that way. And I'm not saying that they were wrong in being preached that way at times because that's a pretty important thing. But here's the deal. That's still not the point. <laughs> the point is not to give your life to Christ so you won't go to hell. Because if that's it, there's a chance, if, you, if that's really your only point about this whole following Christ, if that is really the only place you land, then I could see where you get in here and go, I ain't going to hell. close the book, and move on. There's no more chapters to write. There are no blank pages, as we talked about last week. As a child, they're kind of a blank slate. There's nothing else to write because it's already all been written. It was the, it was the beginning, and it was also the end. All in one swept, one big motion, boom, it's done. I'm not going to hell. Now, I still, I'm still afraid of God. I'm still scared of God. The point. Talked about it in the location route, vehicle destinations we talk about. Of course, we use this a lot in Uncommon. But I still think if you don't know what the destination is, I don't know if you'll really understand the journey. It is critical, as you've heard me say over and over here, that if you're going on a trip, the first thing you need to know is where you are, where you are right now. But you also need to know, it's just as important, obviously, is where you're headed. Because that will begin to determine what it takes to get there. Begin to make all that make sense. But you do have to know where you are. You have to be open and say, I'm a sinner that can only be saved by God's grace. We have to know that. You have to know you must be born again. We have to know that. But if we don't know the purpose of it, Jesus says, what did he say to Nicodemus? You cannot see. 
the kingdom of God unless you're born again. So where are we headed? Because you could kind of see if I don't know where I'm headed, why it would really be easy to meander. As Paul says, like a man fighting the air. As I've said before, Fred Sanford, if you may know Fred Sanford, Sanford and Son, that wailing, fighting, like a man beating the air, don't know where he's going, don't really know what he's trying to hit, don't really know if they ever are making any progress. They really don't know. They just know they're supposed to do that part. I think there's, again, a couple of challenges we have in the church in America specifically. And I'm as guilty as anybody. But I hope we won't always be guilty of this. But I'm as guilty as anybody because somebody gives their life to Christ. Truly, they come in. They're born again. And if we're not careful, we will tell that person who just gave their life to Christ like we would a little baby like Charlie or Wyatt or Nico or we kind of go to Jackson. We can just kind of keep going down the list. We've got a lot of them here, right? Uh, but we could say to them, you know where the refrigerator is. If you want to get something to eat, there it is. It sounds ridiculous, doesn't it? But what happens to people who are born again and part of a community? Well, dude, if you're hungry, there's the food. Go figure it out. But here's the other thing I think is so damaging in the church in America. We've got that going on often. And like I said last week or week before last, Jesus said go and make disciples without really giving us a great plan to do it. Besides baptism, that's one of the things. But other than that, he kind of goes, you figure, I'm, just be walk in step with the Spirit. We know there's certain things you do that people need to know to know God. I mean, the first thing I tell people when they come to know Christ is, man, we need to get you in the book of John. Because you need to know Jesus. Now, again, others might recommend different things. I'm okay with that. All I'm saying is for me personally, I wanted to get in the book of John because in the book of John, I think I understood Jesus a little different than I did reading another other passage of Scripture. Now, then we get to know the whole, the whole Bible. We understand Jesus has been talked about through Genesis all the way to Revelation. There's a lot of other things we find out. But I want to know Jesus. The other thing that I think is a huge challenge in America and American churches is, is that we're okay with people being classified as mature, as people who show up on a regular basis, they tithe on a regular basis, they volunteer on a regular basis, but they haven't grown in their faith in 30 years. Because they've substituted it for something else. So church in America, we do those two things because around the world in so many places, you are sacrificing on a weekly basis, on a daily basis for your faith. There is no question. 
at just showing up to volunteer. There is no question just, just giving a little bit. No, no, you're putting it on the line every day. Big challenges we have. And why? Why we end up this meandering? Then some knucklehead comes along with some kind of illustration like this. We'll get back to that in a minute. Ephesians 4, 22 through 24. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Bringing us back to what we were always intended to be. It's reason and reason, one big reason I love being a part of the Wesleyan movement, the Church of the Nazarene, is that that destination is Christ-likeness. That destination is the ethos that that spontaneous reoccurring pattern of Christ's Spirit living in me and me walking in step with the Spirit. Not perfect, mind you, but my heart begins to desire perfect intent the best I know how, and I try to respond when God speaks clearly. <laughs> not, not that God doesn't speak clearly, that I can understand it. But I love this illustration. I, I think it came, it came out of the book. Uh, uh, oh, I can't think of the name of the book, but uh, anyway. But it's an Orthodox priest, John Con- Kronstadt, he said he would venture out into the streets, good and beautiful God. That's the book this quote comes from. He said he would venture out in the streets where other priests would not do it. He said he'd go in the streets and he'd lift up the hungover, foul-smelling people from the gutter, cradle them in his arms and say to them, this is below your dignity. You were meant to house the fullness of God. You were meant to house the fullness of God. The decisions you make each day begin to look a little different. When you know that you're just not trying to stay out of hell, your decisions are that I was designed to house the fullness of God. You don't meander. In that sense. Now, there's times you're trying to figure it out. I don't mean that kind of meandering. There are times you're going, man, I I don't know what the signposts are supposed to be here. God, help me see those things. We've all been there, I would guess. Maybe it's just me. But I think we've all been there where, where our desire is to continue to move forward. Our desire is to move up to the next rung. That's our desire. But times we just don't see it all. That's different than not wanting to see it. That's different than becoming indifferent or hardening and saying, God, I've seen enough. I don't want to go any further. Because at least I'm not going to hell now.
true freedom. I don't know if we've got this slide or not. And it's one, you have true freedom that we wrote years ago. The ability to know what you should do. The desire to want to do it. And the faith and power to live it out. The ability to know what you should do when walking in step with the Spirit. The desire to want to do it. God actually begins to flip things inside of us where we're, and I'll show the illustration in just a minute, where we're, our, 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 our natural selves is bent away from God. Our, our idemic nature is bent away from God. That's not normal for us to desire to want to walk in the Spirit. Something has to change. And the faith and power to live it out. The truth, to live it out. Read this to you a few weeks ago, 1 Corinthians 2, 13 and 14, and 3, 1 through 3. This is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual reality with Spirit-taught words. The person or the... Or the natural is in the King James. Without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness, but cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. Brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly or carnal, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk. Not solid food, for you are not ready for it. Indeed, you're still not ready for it. You're still worldly, for since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, you are, not world, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? In other words, are you not acting like you were never saved? The natural man, the slide, I think we have the natural man, the carnal man, and the spiritual man. There is a journey to this. We all start here. Our hope is we end up here, at least get there, and that's we could go back to the five C's, and we could, we're not going to get into all that. But the spiritual man, and something happens uh, between the, the carnal man and the spiritual man, in my opinion, if we were teaching fully on that, I may talk about it next week, but it's Romans 7.22, but Paul says, in my inner being, I desire to do God's law. Who says that? You, you don't get that as a natural man. You don't even, there's nothing about that. There's nothing born within you that says, I want to do that, except when the Spirit begins to birth it. That I desire for God's laws to live in me and work in me and function as a person that's possessing the fullness of God. The natural man, is unappreciative of the things of God and just doesn't contribute. You can go back and listen to it a few weeks ago, so I was hesitating there. Places could give you more information, but I think you need you can go back and listen to that. Because I would tell you, I'm not sure it was fully for me personally when I was living there more, most of my, well, my young, until I was 26. I don't know for sure 
that I looked at it as foolishness when I saw other people living out, but what I did know is I wanted to keep it away from me. That part I did know. Steve Meeks talks about four things that, and, and, and again, I don't, I've tried to look it up before, so I keep giving him credit for it, but one of these days, if I can't find it on the Internet, I guess I get to take credit for it, huh? Is that right? Is that amen? No, maybe not. Uh, so I don't know where I got, I've tried to look it up, but I, I love his thoughts on this, uh, four stages of our walk and signs of maturity. The first one he says is Initiation. We see life through a different lens now. We gave our life to Christ. We're born again. All of a sudden, we're now seeing life differently. a matter of fact, the things in life that I used to think were foolish begin to make a little bit of sense. Going, whoa, this starts putting things together now. I, I, before, it just didn't make sense. And the things of the Spirit you begin to want to have your relationship. You begin to desire things that before we just said, that is just weird. Why would I even desire that my workspace uh, or, or my recreation, my, all my relationships, when I'm going to go uh, to a mini storage and buy something off offer up, why would I want this to be the case? That wherever I go, I'm looking at things from a spiritual lens. So that... And it's almost euphoric. I can remember, you know, I think I told you guys about the church that I was at that, that they would come down. I gave my life to Christ again because I thought I was going to go to hell that the night before. Uh, but, and that's a long story in itself. But standing down there with Brother Roy Ford, who I love to death. I think Jan was there today and Brother Roy was preaching. She was in Hooks today. Um, and, uh, and Brother Roy's still preaching at another Baptist church, not the same Baptist church. But, but I remember giving my life to Christ and, I, and he goes, he said, Kurt, you just stand right here, and everybody's going to come by and shake hands with you. Nobody ever said that was going to happen. Or I don't know if I'd have gone down. But that came later. I found it. But it was euphoric for me. Because there's certain things you can't know till you take the step. And I hate it for you. I hate it for you who want to go, well, let me have a little taste. Let me crack the door open. Let me look in a little bit. Let me get a little bit of this, and then I'll decide whether I want it. The problem is in the spiritual realm, that doesn't work. God won't allow it to happen. That's the problem with this ladder thing, right? That's the problem with this ladder is, is we go, I know I make people nervous. Uh, the problem is, right? The problem is we want to God, if God comes along and there's this crisis of belief that Henry Blackaby talks about, this crisis of belief, and not crisis like somebody died or I lost a job. Because when I gave my life to Christ, again, I had a great job, paid extremely well, had a great wife, had a new baby, playing ball, basketball, softball, all I wanted to. Things were great, except the crisis was in the inner man. The old man was getting taken, the, the carnal man, the old man scripture talks about, was having an assault put on it by the Holy Spirit. That causes a crisis. That causes a big old, big old crisis. Everything else was great, except the inner man, the carnal man, was having to confront that he was designed to house the fullness of God. 
and not the fullness of Kurt. Who would even, who would ever want the fullness of Kurt? I mean, really. I mean, really. I didn't either. Have you ever wanted the fullness of you? How do you talk to yourself when you realize who you are? It's an interesting question. I thought it was pretty brilliant. <laughs> I mean, really. Are there times that you just pause and just go, that came through my mind? I caught it before it came out of my mouth. I caught it before I put it into action, but that still came through. That the old man doesn't die easily. The old man, the carnal nature, Scripture talks about the old man, or whatever you want to do it, the, the ways of this world, how hard they are to die. And, and we've talked about it before. When you consecrate, it, it can get back up off that altar, though. You can lay it all on the altar, and it can get back up off the altar and go with you if you're not careful. Here's the deal. Stay in step with the Spirit. As Christ has now changed you from the natural to the worldly, if you will. I think the next challenge for most of us is we just hope the destination is worldly. Not now that I'm just not going to hell. That's cool. Not, you know, I'm not doing that anymore. I'm not even worried about that anymore. I don't even bring that up anymore. That's all right. But no, now I just think I can just live in both worlds and not have to grow. I can just have a leg here and a leg here. I can just do this. I can just have split it. So I can do both. Because still, I can have Jesus in my heart, but be on the throne. My self-centered self. I tell you, after all the years of living Years of marriage, years of pastoring. The hardest thing I have to come to the conclusion is, is that my biggest issue in life is me. It's not other people. It's not my circumstances. It's me. Second stage, and I'll go, do this quickly, go back up to Alienation, this is what happens to many people. I'm so thankful that I didn't get stuck in alienation. I went through alienation. Alienation is it's where you, all this euphoric things were going on, then all of a sudden it feels like, hey, everybody else is messed up. I'm trying to live this thing out. Look at all these messed up Christians. Look at all these messed up people. And God, why did you let that happen to me? Why did that happen at our church? Why did that? And before you know it, you're in with another bunch of other people who are alienated. Any pastors in here say amen to that? Then they get in these groups. Then before you know it, they, 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 they have a, a leaving party together, and they go to the next church. And guess what? They find out there's not perfect people at the next church. And then they go on to the next one, and they go on to the next one, and... People can get stuck in that stage all their life. And if you don't fight through it, you'll find yourself jumping from place to place. 
But we all want to get to this one, I think, and that's transformation. We all want life achievements. We all want success. But I'm not sure everybody comes to Christ for radical transformation. Matter of fact, I don't think that's explained very much up front and not repeated enough as time goes on. And as I said to you last week, we are rooted and established in love. But I also would say last week as I talked about children, I can't imagine me loving my children and not encouraging them to grow up, to mature. That would be the lack of love. To encourage people to continue to grow in their walk with Christ, I believe, is love. Not in condemnation but an excitement of true freedom that they can live in. That's what that's about. Rooted and established in love. To grow, to mature. Now, as we talked about the foster kids from Royal Family Kids Camp, unfortunately, so many of them had to mature way before their childhood. They've had to deal with stuff some of us have never dealt with, and we're 60, 70 years old. They've dealt with in their first Two, three, six, ten years. And there was no childhood. But our desire as Christians, and and, and, and the unfortunate part is, is that we have to deal with this through brokenness. For blessed are those who are poor in spirit. Their inheritance... What they will see is the kingdom of God. Blessed are those who are poor. Blessed are those who come broken before God. And allow him to put it together. You know, saying, if it's not, if it's not broke, if it's not, oh, I got, got it. if it's not broke, don't break it. Don't fix it. If it's not broke, break it. It's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, no. If it's not broke, don't fix it. Scripture would bear out if it's not broke. You need to break it. What does he seek? A broken and contrite heart. But he puts you back together. He builds you up. If I had any clue where I was on my notes... We would probably try to get to the destination, which is you guys get out of here, right? And one sign of growth, again, like I said, is all this no longer seems foolish to you. It begins to start, it begins to make sense. But the last stage is, and it would go back to spiritual if we were, if I was teaching, I'll teach on that next week but it's the incarnation stage. It really is where it's as if Christ, when you go to places, whether it's Tanzania or wherever that may be, it's as if Christ showed up. Because the ethos and the spirit of Christ is flowing through you.
See, I think that's what the world needs to see more than anything. The Word became flesh. But the Word became flesh. And understand what I'm saying here. And it moved into my muscles. The Word became flesh and it moved into my tongue. The Word became flesh and it moved into my ear, my hearing. The Word became flesh and it moved into my eyes where I now see as I walk through and I pay attention. And it's good to have partners who, uh, 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 spouses and other companions who point out to us, hey, I think you're missing that. You're not seeing something you should be seeing right now. Okay, but my point is this. Incarnation is the Word. I think it's the message. The Word became flesh and moved into the neighborhood. Talking about Jesus coming to earth as a human. You mean I can walk through this world and at times people may get me and Jesus confused sometimes and I don't mean from a deity standpoint. You know that. Don't hear what I'm not saying. That people because of what's going on in your life and your desire to know Christ and to be in step with the Spirit, you show up. They don't even know about Jesus, but they know you. And whatever you got, they want. The Word became flesh and moved into the neighborhood. See, when you come to know Christ, it not only should be good news for you, it should be good news for everybody you come in contact with. It just should. Whether they're for Christianity or know anything about Jesus, it should be good news for them. You know, when we go back, go back to the screen of the three hearts, if you would. The problem with carnal, there's a lot of problems here. <laughs> but it's almost as if this way. And think of it this way. It's if the goal, if someone got married, it's as if the goal of marriage was for me to feel more loved and to feel more secure in relationships and to meet my needs. That's what it would be like if you, that's the example I have, if you decide that carnal or that place there, I'm not going to hell, okay. I'm not single anymore. I'm now married. At least now I feel loved. At least now I have my desires fulfilled. At least now I have... What? Who would even... Well, I, I guess there are people getting married that would... Don't, I shouldn't say that. But are our churches in America filled with that? With believers who really feel like as long as my needs are met, as long as I'm secure, as long as I feel loved, well, of course you're going to have all those. But if that's all it is, you've missed the point. It's how much I can love God, how much I can give for him, how much I can sacrifice him. Not so I'll be loved more. It's because I'm loved so much. Why would I not want to? I'm compelled. Christ's love compels me. I can't help it.
few signs if you're still living in that middle deal. You haven't grown up. You depend on others for spiritual food. Would that be you? You live at the center of your emotions. Is that you? You don't live on values and principles and convictions of what God has done, but you're just on an emotional, everything's emotional. And again, our emotions are awesome. I believe our God is an emotional God. Jesus, if we look at Jesus, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, though, if that's where you center your life on these emotions of roller coaster and, 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 and you're dominated by the standards of this world, you would rather live here. You wouldn't say it. But you're trying to, the reason why you can't get away from this line very far is because if you do get, you, 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 the further you get away from this line, the less you can straddle this fence. And we're not talking about the line of salvation, not salvation, whatever. What we said a few weeks ago is this, this line right here, I am, people go, well, well do you think a person can reach that point and go back? Well, I'm not going to get into all that. What I will say is this, why are you even worried about that? Why are you asking the question? When you're chasing after God, pursuing after him, this is never even brought up. It never even crosses your mind because you're pursuing I love what Seth Godin said. I read this in one of his blogs because we talked about it last week. Jesus said, come as a child, right? He says, isn't it great to dream like a child but no fun to be treated like one? It bristles when we feel like we're being being treated like a child if the person involved, even if the person involved has best intentions. We've outgrown being treated like a child. But Seth goes on to say, some behaviors to consider if you want to avoid this situation. Make long-term plans instead of whining. Ask hard questions, but accept truthful answers. Don't insist there's a monster under the bed after you've seen there isn't a monster under the bed. Culture. Manage your debt wisely. Go to school early and often. Don't call people names. (laughs) Get your own drink of water. (laughs) Don't hit your siblings. Stop bullying. No tantrums. On the other hand, all of the good stuff about being a kid helps you be happier and endear yourself to others. Being filled with optimism and hope, smiling, trusting, finding creative solutions to old problems, hugging for no good reason, giggling and sharing your ice cream cone with a friend. Well, I'm never going to do that. I tell my kids all the time. (laughs) I got enough money to buy your own ice cream cone. I ain't sharing mine. I'm not rich, but I got that much money. (laughs) Anybody else in there? Dads? Anybody else? I ain't doing it. (laughs) I ain't doing it. Oh, man. Right in the middle of the love chapter. 
right in the middle of the love chapter, Paul, in 1 Corinthians 13, Paul writes, when I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child. But when I grew up, I put away childish things. The world is looking for a grown-up church with grown-up people who they realize transformation is part of this journey. And that the goal is the ethos of Christ. The Christ-likeness living in our lives, the incarnation, is that when I move into your neighborhood, it's as if maybe Jesus moved in. But what happens to so many of us is we're tired. We're busy. I ain't going to hell. And as a matter of fact, it looks to me like that the worldly Christian or the carnal Christian is the norm. Not the exception, not the transition, it's the norm. So why would I want to push back on the norm? That wouldn't make any sense. Now I stand out and I don't want to be one of those holier, holy roller, holier than thou people who sold out to Jesus. Who would want to be known as that? Or... Those moments of crisis where God begins to tweak. Often it's just small. Sometimes it's large. And goes, will you trust me? Will you, will you trust me? I've shown you. You see it. And by the way, just because you don't say it out loud doesn't know that God doesn't see it in your mind that you already know what he said. Because when you say it out loud or write it down, it's not the first time God heard about it, just so you know. <laughs> and it makes for a weak witness. That's your sign. Let me come back up. I'm going to get out of here. Some of you, there's a God-sized dream up there on that ladder. But you won't ever even know about it. Because it's on the fifth rung. And you've made a decision you're going to stay on the second one. And as you can see on the step ladder, as you go higher, the narrower the focus focused you become on what God is saying. Next Sunday, I know we didn't, I don't know if we had, may have had a slide up there. We considering doing baptism next Sunday, or well, we will do it. <laughs> if there's anybody to ask, if you would let us know by, by Wednesday, maybe this week, for sure. 
But for some of you, that would be it. It's that next step. It's that next step of going, that, that, that is a public profession. And, and does it take that to be saved? No, you know we don't believe that. But it is out of obedience. And it is out of the example that Christ set for us. And it is what believers through the ages have done. It's what Christians do. <laughs> so let us know about that. I'm going to pray for us. Before I do, I'm going to pray specifically. About this transition. About the Holy Spirit speaking on you right now, whether it's as an unbeliever, unbeliever, and again, you can attend here forever, and we're fine, and stay that way. But you will be challenged, <laughs> and we hope the Spirit moves. Or you come here today, and you've just been stuck. Before everyone else stands, I'm going to ask if you want me, I'm going to pray a prayer. This includes this pastor, because I'm going to tell you right now, there are times it feels stuck. doesn't mean that I've got some bad sin thing. That's not what I'm talking about. You just feel kind of stuck. If you want a part of that prayer as I pray it, and you can stay seated too, but if you would stand around the room along with me, and again, it's up to you. out across this room and across this city and maybe across the country and who knows, around the world, the way things go today. The old saying goes, sometimes we're standing up on the outside but sitting down on the inside. (laughs) Because we're just rebelling and we don't, we act like we're going, doing the things, but we're just not changing in our inner being Lord I pray today for those who who realize the transition and the transformation has been capped either by their own selves and choices and refusal or just not being able to see the signs of how to move forward Lord I pray right now in the name of Jesus you would give them peace, flood their hearts right now, just flood their hearts as if they're taking a deep breath of your spirit, I know that's kind of weird Lord but just, they can just sense your presence and they can sense that you love them where they are but you love them way too much to let them stay there because everything is rooted and established in love Lord I pray for those today who maybe have just come on this Christian walk just so they could get in and say they're in, whatever that might mean later on at death or whatever. But, Lord, they're just realizing that the destination is Christ-likeness. Lord, I pray for them right now that there is a stirring and an awakening of their their, their eyes and their ears and and even their tongue and their feet and their hands. They'll go and do and speak as they follow you. We thank you today 
that you love us just again the way we are. We'll never be loved more. But man alive, could we be used more as we fall in love with you and the anointing falls on us for your glory. Lord, thank you again for this morning. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Let's sing as we get out of here today. Thank you guys for, uh, yeah, for giving me the privilege to speak the word.